share with you on this great occasion of two years uh, in the um, Washington, D.C. area. Uh, I first must tell you all that I have been in Alexandria now for a little over 30 years, but my heart is still in Washington, D.C. I was born and raised here, went to Felt Vocational High School, my wife went to Spangon, and we met in, um, on Hayes Street, believe it or not, in Washington, D.C., and, um, and God allowed us to marry and have two wonderful children. And so our heart has always been in D.C. It's just that my wife won't let me move back over here. <laughs> I have to blame her on that. <laughs> so, um, but thank you all for allowing us to be here. We are, love your pastor. We love this ministry. And um, I will say this, and then I'll get into the Word of God. Um, I knew your pastor much longer than before he knew me. Um, I, was a, I was a seeker, and not, not a, a seeker in the sense that when you read about church stuff, about people seeking churches, I was, I was seeking fellowship um, with uh, like-minded believers from a conservative perspective. And so I would travel as far as California, uh, Louisville, wherever the word of God was being preached by men of God that I knew who would cut it straight. And, um, and I, I got a chance to meet your pastor at the time he was pastoring um, the First Baptist of Cayman. Amen. And, um, and I had just uh, started um, pastoring at Oakland Baptist Church. And I wanted to try to change the flavor of Oakland by bringing people in um, that um, would give us the correct um, understanding of the gospel. And I'll leave it at that. Oakland has been in transition for the past 11 years. Amen. Um, I'm still there by the grace of God. And I, and I say that unashamedly because um, Mark Devers might have told you how to get rid of him, but the congregation was telling him to get rid of me. So they had a little more input than, than Mark Devers did. And that was because I, I, I don't do the normal things that they were expecting for someone to do. Um, all I do is read God's word and explain what it says. And that wasn't enough. Um, and so I went out and I, and I saw, I heard him, I heard him uh, um, explain the word of God. And I said, I would love to get him to come to Oakland Baptist Church. Now that was about 11 years ago. And I said, there's no way that's going to happen because they want to get rid of me. And they're not going to pay somebody to come from Cayman to come over and preach to them. You know? And so I said, that's just not going to happen. And um, lo and behold, God moved him close enough where he could actually come over there. And the flavor has changed now. And they embraced him. They love him. And they can't wait to get him to come back over there because of what he has done here. And I will tell you this. Not many brothers will leave Cayman to come to Southeast to plant a church. This is not going to happen. You have to really be listening to what God is saying to call you in here. Amen? So I want to encourage your heart. I want to go by the text of Scripture that I was given um, in the uh, book of Colossians. And the uh, second uh, chapter of Colossians, verses 6 and 7, where it um, says very plainly, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. I want to just try to explain what this text actually means in its proper context and then try to relate it to the ark and see how I can encourage you that you guys are doing a marvelous work. In two years' time, I've seen you do things that I've only dreamed and imagined about. And so I came over here to encourage you. And let me tell you, in the past hour, I, my heart has been rejoicing. And I am definitely encouraged in the, the things that you all are doing, uh, especially with the five M's. I think that is phenomenal, and um, I believe it's what God is calling for. It's time out for um, us as believers in Christ getting comfortable where we are and not wanting to let the world know who Christ is. Because a church can become very complacent 
when they do what I believe is called success. And what I mean by success is, is that when people start to come in and all of a sudden you start meeting your budget, sometimes things can change. And you have to be very careful of that. And you always want to keep the excitement that you have now. Because if you become complacent, you will become to the point where you're content with what you're actually doing inside and you will stop going outside. You have to guard against that. And it happens very subtly. Amen. The excitement starts to wane when you get 100 years old. Amen. After you've been there for a long time and all of a sudden as you've been there and you see people coming in, what you begin to believe is that those who are coming in should now do the work while you get a chance to relax. But the work never stops. I try to get our seniors to understand. I call them our, our seasoned saints. Is that they still have a wonderful work to do. I try to get them involved in Titus too and get them to understand they're supposed to be teaching the younger women as they're coming in how they're supposed to be living their lives and they can't do it if you never exercise that gift that God has given you. And so Paul is trying to reach a a, a church in Colossians and the thing I like about this letter is Paul is trying to get them excited and he's excited and he's actually in jail. Now, that's the exciting thing. If you're in jail and you're still excited about the Lord, you know you're really with the Lord. Amen? Amen. He, is, he is excited about the fact that he gets a chance to, to write to a church that, 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 that he's going to get back to one day and get them to understand that what they're doing is a great thing. But he doesn't want them to lose the excitement that they had when they were first planted. And one of the things that you guys did that really excited my heart and I got a chance to to, to be a part of is when you first started, I remember walking up and down Pennsylvania Avenue with some of your members and and just knocking on doors and and, and we didn't even know the people and and just introducing ourselves as as Anacostia River Church and telling them about the Bibles that you were having at the library and and how people were just showing up. But the ones that weren't very receptive to what we wanted to, to tell them, you greeted them with grace. And you ask them, could you pray for them? You ask for their names. And I believe with all my heart that you continue to pray for them, even though they weren't receptive to what you were trying to do. And you can't lose that excitement. You guys still need to get together every Saturday or whenever you get together and go out in these neighborhoods and let folk know that the ark is here. I like the word ark because it's a place of safety. Amen. And they need to get on this ark. Amen. Because this is where the gospel is being given out. Amen. All the other things that we can give someone from a church family, the most important thing that we can ever give them is the gospel. Amen. We can feed somebody for a day, but when you give them the gospel, you're giving them something for their soul for eternity. Amen. And they need to understand that. And so we can't stop doing the things that we're doing. They're good things, but never forget to do the godly things. Amen. Sometimes we get tripped up and we start doing what's good as opposed to what's godly. Because, see, if you do what's good, you'll get a crowd, but you'll never get a congregation. A congregation is those who actually live by the gospel. And it's not just the gospel that you get to get saved by. It's the gospel that you're continuously saved by. Amen? It's not that you need a a, a second blessing, but this gospel actually saves you from the sins that you've already done but the sins that you're actually going to do. Amen? This gospel is eternal, and you need to hear this gospel every day. This is what gets me up every morning. It's the gospel. I never get tired of hearing the gospel. And if someone doesn't preach the gospel, you are definitely in the wrong house. Amen? I don't have three ways to make you feel better. I only have one, and it's the gospel. Amen? It's what, it, it helps to what ails you, and you got to get people to understand. It is the story about Jesus Christ. It didn't start in the New Testament. It started in the book of Genesis. Amen? I always tell people, we're not a New Testament church. We're the church, and we got to have the Old Testament and the New Testament. You know why? Because, see, when I have the New Testament only, I heard somebody say, it's like looking at the gospel through black and white glasses, you know. 
But when you have the Old Testament to overlay it with the New Testament, now all of a sudden the color comes in and you understand what Leviticus means and why Christ had to come and die for us. You understand all those things about what David really did and how David was used by God. You understand what Joshua meant. You understand all of that and you can actually find it in the New Testament when you connect both of the books together. Amen. So the gospel is the story about Christ that started all the way in the book of Genesis and goes all the way to the book of Revelation. It's a true gospel. It's the only thing that can ever save you. And guess what? A a, a false gospel will not save you. If you don't have the true meaning of the gospel, it will not save you. Amen. The gospel means that, that Jesus Christ came down here through the 42 generations, which you'll find out about in the Old Testament, and how he was born of a virgin. Amen. And we have to believe that. Amen. And that he, he lived this life for some 33 and a half years. Amen. And he walked on this earth, and he lived a sinless life. He had to live a sinless life to pay for the life that we could not live. Amen. All that's important. And then he gave his life. He said, no man can take my life. He said, I give my life, amen. That's what we're going to celebrate next week, amen. When we talk about the resurrection, he, he said, I lay my life down for you. But then he raised it up again, amen. And then he had a, a prophecy conference for about 40 days, amen, where he told them about the fact that how he was going to come back for his church. And then he ascended. And he's going to come back for the ark. He's going to come back for his church, Amen without a spot or a wrinkle. And that's the good news that we have to tell people, amen? And we have to be explicit about what we really mean when we talk about Jesus, because some folk don't understand who Jesus really is. They are confused about who they think Jesus really is. He is our Lord, but he's also our Savior, amen? And that's what Paul wanted to get across to the Galatians um, when he's talking to them. He wanted them to understand that guess what? He is Lord, and he is Savior. Amen. And he says, when you actually believe that, that's when verse 6 comes in. He says, and then, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord. That's what I just explained to you. When you receive that Christ, amen, not the one that we pray to when things are just going bad, but the one that you pray to when things are going good but the one that you gave your life to when you decided that you heard the gospel and you believed it. Because see, what he's talking about here is not just a intellectual understanding about who Christ is. He's actually saying they actually receive Christ in all of his fullness. And you get that in the first chapter of Colossians. And I don't have time to go through the whole book for you, but I know your pastor will fill in all the blanks as you guys are going through Colossians. Amen. But you are receiving Christ in all of his fullness. Amen. And what that actually means is that there's nothing else less for you to receive. Amen. For your salvation. You don't have to tarry on the martyr's bench. Amen. For the Holy Spirit to come. Once you receive Christ, you receive the Spirit of God. Amen. And when you receive the Spirit of God, you receive the gift that God has given you to help the ark to be the church that God wants it to be. Amen. In other words, everybody here has a role that's supposed to be playing. You'll find that out in Ephesians 4, amen, that there's a role that we all play in the body of Christ. And God actually placed you here. Nobody is here by accident. You'll find that in 1 Corinthians 12. Nobody is here by accident. It said God actually placed you here. I thought I went to Oakland. I thought I planned to go to Oakland. No, God actually planted me there. And I have to keep reminding the congregation, I didn't come there by accident. God actually told me to come there on one snowy day. I was a member of McLean Bible, having a wonderful time down there. Me and my wife and my kids, my kids were young, and it, is, it was a nice thing to be a part of a church where you had no responsibilities. <laughs> we would finish there, down there. We would always go to breakfast. We'd have a great time. And it was just like the, the, the Lord says, that's not where I want you to be. And so it snowed one day. I can never remember exactly, but it snowed. And so my wife and, and children weren't going to church, and I had to go somewhere. It's just something about when you're really full of the Spirit of God. You want to find somewhere where you can just go and fellowship with the saints. 
And I just happened to drive by a church I've been going by all my life, really, since I've been in uh, Alexandria. And we stopped there, and I heard a man preach the gospel. And I went there. And we got inside there, and I heard him actually explain the gospel. And I couldn't wait to get home and tell my wife. And I said, you have got to come to the Oakland Baptist Church. And this is no lie. My wife looked at me, and she said, a Baptist church? Because we had, we had experienced the Baptist church where we weren't getting the gospel. And we just happened to go there. And lo and behold, two years later, the people were asking us to be their pastor. And that's a marvelous story in itself. But God had placed us there, not by accident, but that one day we might be able to do some of the things that we're trying to do now and to be like the ark and allow people to know that Christ lives because he lives inside of us. And so you said he received Christ, Jesus, as Lord. And he said that since you have actually done that, since you have confessed with your mouth and believe in your heart, amen? The Lord Jesus, amen? That God has raised him from the dead. He says, then do this one thing. He says, so walk in him. In other words, he was actually saying that if that's actually true, there ought to be something different about who we are. Amen? Paul writes it best in Corinthians where he says that if any man, I like to put in one man, be in Christ, they are a new creation. He says, old things have passed away. And he says, behold. That was almost a magician's term. You remember when you see a magician and he would say abracadabra? That's what that word behold actually means. It means abracadabra. Guess what? You're brand new. All those things that you thought God would not forgive you for have been forgiven. Amen. I always tell you, as long as you have breath in your body, you're not far from the saving grace of God. Amen. You can't not do anything so bad that God won't forgive you for. And people have to be told that because see, they've been fed the lie that, guess what? You have to be a good person. If that was true, I'd be disqualified. Amen. Because I'm not a good person. I'm a godly person now by the grace of God. Amen. But inside of me, I'm a very selfish person. And inside of me, sometimes I want to get out, but it's by the grace of God. And it's by this scripture I try to live my life by. It says that I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives within me. And the life that I now live in this flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself just for me. That's what he was telling them to do here. He was saying, you got to walk. You got to live this thing out. This can't be something that we just do on Sunday. Because the world is confused. Because they believe that we're smoles. Amen. Sunday morning only. They're totally confused. They believe that that's what we really are. They don't believe that we live this thing out, that this is our life, and that we will die for what we believe in. You have to believe it that much, that you're willing to die for what you actually believe in. You know, churches have been robbed lately, right? People have actually been going into church houses and actually robbing them because they know this is where the money is. Amen on Sunday morning. And the story was told about the fact that these two guys came into the church and they closed the door, told the ushers to go have a seat. And they had the shotguns. And there's a universal sound about a shotgun. Y'all know that, right? If somebody were to come to the door again and do that, all of your heads would forget about what I'm saying. You turn around because you know exactly what that sound is. Amen? It's universal. And they did that in the church house. And they said, we are here, and we're going to actually kill all of you 
who actually believe in Jesus Christ. And the people got afraid, and you should be, amen, if you are believe in Jesus Christ. I mean, we're all saved, we know where we're going, but you know, we're not in a hurry to get there, amen? If you know what I mean, amen? And, 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 and so the, the guy came in, and he had already racked, and so everybody had the shotgun in his hand, and he was sitting there, he said, now, I tell you what, all of you who really don't believe in Christ, y'all can leave now. And about two-thirds of the church, they said, got up and left. But one-third actually stayed, and they sat there. And he told the ushers, okay, go ahead and close the doors. The ushers closed the doors. And he told the preacher, he said, now, preacher, go ahead and preach. Because now we got the real believers here who want to hear the gospel. He got rid of all those ones who were out there who just come on Sunday because they believe this is the place to be, but they're not willing to die for what they believe in. And you got to believe that when Paul was saying this, because Paul wasn't telling him to do anything he wasn't ready to do. So he says, so you walk in him. And so here's my point. He says, well, how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, he doesn't leave it to chance. He gives it to you right here in verse 7, and I'm going to take my seat after this. He says, be rooted and built up in him. Amen. Everything we do, I like Jeremy's prayer. He says, may this church continuously be Christ-centered. Amen? Everything we do has to be in him. Amen? Because this is his house. Amen? We are his body. And, and one thing that I, I, I really think you'd be just like me is that I love people to come over our house, but when you come over our house and you decide that you don't like the way my wife has decorated the living room and you start moving furniture around, guess what? You got to go. Because she's going to tell you, Clay, you got to get rid of him. He's moving my furniture around in our house. Brother and sister, you got to go. You know why? Because that's our house, and there's a certain way that Gloria wants it done. Amen? It's the same way with God's house. You don't go in God's house and start moving stuff around when he's already set up the way it's supposed to be done. You can't go in here and make up your own rules. You can't just start doing things the way you think they should be done. God has told you that, guess what? This is my house. And you start moving the furniture, you, it's time for you to go. Amen? And, and so you got to be rooted and built up in him. Amen? In, in other words, you got to understand what it is God has called us to do. And it's very plainly put in the book of Matthew where he says, Go ye therefore and make disciples. Amen? That's, that's the goal, amen? That's the mission of every church. Amen. If we change that, then we've changed that which God called us to do, and all of a sudden, it's not his house. Amen. There are a lot of people who will be worshiping today, but they're not trying to make disciples, amen? They're trying to get a packed house so that what they can do is get the car fulfilled so they can do what they want to do as opposed to make disciples. Because see, making disciples is hard work. Amen? And it's not something that happens overnight. There is no discipleship class. It's a discipleship life. Amen? It's who you are. It's where you take the time and start inviting people to your house for dinner and it turns into a Bible study. That's discipleship. It's having small groups where you guys get together. You don't have to meet on Tuesday, Wednesday. You meet when you can meet, but you meet together and you're discipling each other. Amen. It's where you're taking the time to make sure that you're contacting somebody during the course of the week and you're not waiting until Sunday to see what they're doing. Discipleship means involvement. That means that the fact that they're actually rooted and they're being built up in Christ because they understood exactly what he has called us to do. All the other things that we do are a part of the disciple-making process. They have to all lead to that which he told us to do. 
And it goes back to also to Acts 1-8, where we're supposed to be his witnesses, right? In Jerusalem, right? And, and, and we, we're supposed to start right there at home. It's amazing how so many times we want to go outside and evangelize the world, and we don't want to evangelize the ones right here that God has already brought to us. When he says Jerusalem, he says start right here at home. Let's make sure we get this right. Amen? Because let me tell you what happens when we start getting them coming in and we're not right. We start confusion. You get a lot of confused folk. You know why? Because they don't know what they're supposed to be doing. And here's the key. Guess what? When people start joining the ark, they're going to be just like you. They're going to resemble who you are. You're setting the foundation for what this ministry is going to look like. And so you have to ask yourself the question. If you wouldn't want somebody to come in here to be like you, then you got to change. Amen? Because if you don't, they're going to be just like you. We raised two kids. And we taught them a whole lot of things. But guess what? They're just like us. <laughs> they are just, they, they, their mannerism, they, you know why? Because they hung around us for all that time frame. So even though we were telling them things, they were looking at what we were doing. And they became like us. Members of the ark are going to be just like you because they're going to see what you do. And if you don't think small groups are important, they're not going to think they're important. If you don't think coming to worship service is important, they're going to think it's not important. Whatever you decide to do, that's what they are going to do. They're going to emulate you. And that's why Paul can say things that I thought was so arrogant. Follow me as I follow Christ. But I said, you know, that makes sense now. What he was saying was, if I'm not following Christ, don't follow me. Because he's the only one that can save you. And we have to get to a point where as we're leading people into ministry, they're going to take on the things that we actually do. Amen? So you got to be rooted and built up. That, 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 that word rooted there, it, it means that you, you're planted. Amen? In other words, you're not planning on going anywhere. I mean, it's a, it's a horticultural term where you get to a point where, and I had to really study it because I don't know anything about planting anything. I was born in Washington, D.C. We have cement everywhere. Amen? <laughs> Never planted anything in my life. But it's something about the planting where you have to get the ground right. Amen? And sometimes you got to turn up that old soil. Amen? And you got to move it around. Somebody know what I'm talking about. And you got to move it around. Amen? And you got to have the right things in the soil that's going to allow the plant to take root. Amen? That's the gospel. Amen? you got to be rooted in the gospel. If you're rooted in Christ, you're rooted in the gospel. Amen? And, 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 and that's what you want to do. And so you want to make sure that it is the right gospel. Amen? That they're, they're sick in their, in their roots because they're going to grow into something. Amen? And so it's going to be going down, but the other part, he said, it's built up. Amen? And that's architectural. It means it, it, there's a building part. And so, so as it's going down and getting roots, but it's still growing. It's growing up, you know? And so my first part, I said, I, said, I, I guess we'll use the word growing. Because, see, growing means that there's something down there that's holding them there, but they're also being edified so that they can grow in Christ. Amen? I think you guys got it right. You're planning on the gospel, and you're building. You're being edified through your small groups, through the Bible studies, through the fellowship, and through the relationship that you all are having with each other. Because let me tell you, the best part of the gospel, yes, is our salvation in Christ. But the other part that we miss out on is the body of Christ. I love hanging around the body of Christ. I do. There's something about the body of Christ that he gave it to us for a reason. Amen? That we would not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Amen? That we might encourage each other unto good works. You got it? Because, see, when you start getting to a point where you think that, well, you know what? I'm in Christ, you know what? And I don't need anybody else. I think you're going down the wrong path. 
There used to be this path where, you know, us four and no more. No, you don't want to do that. Amen. You want to be connected to the body of Christ. Because you know what? That's where the accountability comes in. I got some brothers that I, I, I go and we get together and they hold me accountable to make sure I'm still rooted. Got it? And I'm still being built up. You never stop. This process never stops. Amen? You never graduate from understanding who Christ is. Amen? The day you graduate, you're no longer here. When you get it all, it's time for you. You're gone. God will just take you away. But there's always something for us to learn about who Christ is. Amen? But here's the part I like about it. Even when we get to glory, we're still going to be learning. Amen? You know that, that part of the text that I, I, I rasp with the part where it says that when we, when we see him, we shall be like him? That's almost not quite true. It's true, but it's almost not quite true. Because that which is created can never be like that creator. Amen? So there's got to be something that we're always going to be able to find. It's fascinating. I'm not waiting to get to heaven so I can ask God a whole lot of questions. I know people say, I can't wait to get to heaven so I can ask God this. No, all I'm going to get, when I get done, I'm going to say, Phew. <laughs> That's what I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> Question, y'all can have all the questions. I'm in. <laughs> see, see I, I know who I am. And, and you got to see, 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 so you got to be planted and you got to be rooted up in him. Amen. Amen. Second point is that, so you, you, you want to you be growing. Second part is you want to be grounded. Amen. Grounded. Where well, he says that, and established in the faith. He, he, he wants you to be established in the faith. In other words, you're not going to be double-minded. Amen. You're not going to be going to and fro for every wind of doctrine. You're going to be established in your faith. Amen? It is your faith that God gave you that got you thus far. Amen? Yeah, we know we've been saved by grace, but it was through faith. Amen? And he gave us the faith. Right at once, he said, the only thing that I ever contributed to my salvation was the sin that needed to be taken away. That's it. I am where I am now, and I'm going to get to heaven by the grace of God, through the faith of God that he gave me. Amen? And you can't allow anybody to get you to doubt your faith. Amen? Your faith has to be on found, uh, on sound ground. And, and, and you, you can't be shaken by the fact that because you did something wrong, all of a sudden you start thinking that I'm not saved. Amen? You didn't save yourself, so you can't unsave yourself. Amen? I like the fact that Christ saved me because he says that no man can pluck me out of his hand. I took that literally. When he says, no man, guess what? I'm a man. So I can't even take myself out of his hand. You see, I, that's how far I take that. And that's based on the faith of because I know who Christ is. He is not a figment of my imagination. Amen? And so can I give you a little tip so that it will help you guys on Sunday nights or I think sometimes it comes on on Wednesday on um, I think it's on CNN um, they like to run this uh, Finding Jesus and, and all these other shows you know and don't waste your time you're wasting hours of the time that God has given you to watch something you know they can't prove I never understood that Christian said are you going to watch this tonight I said why did you read the book <laughs> If you read the book, you don't need to watch a TV show. Which one do you believe? Finding, you want to find Jesus? You don't need the TV show. Just read the book. Amen. And, 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 and we got to get to a point where we understand that our faith is established in who Christ is. And he doesn't lie. He doesn't make things up. 
He is God. Amen. He is the creator of the heavens and the earth. And when you read the first part of Colossians, it actually says this, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him, and guess what? For him. We were actually created for him. And that's why we established our faith in the one who created all things. Do you know how powerful that really is? It blows my pea brain mind to think that one day the only thing that existed was God. You understand that? And he spoke. Literally, he spoke. And all that we shall ever see in our entire existence came out of his spoken word. He just spoke. And, and you, the reason why I tell you this is because, see, sometimes you, 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 your faith isn't big enough because you think that there's things that are happening in your life that God can't solve. I just told you, he spoke. And everything that we will ever see came into it. Why do you think your situation is unsolvable by the one who spoke and brought every situation into existence? You understand that? That's why our faith has to be established in who Christ is. And that's why we have the small groups. That's why we have the preaching. That's why we have the Bible studies. Why? To preach him. Amen? Isn't that same text in Colossians? I love Colossians. Because see, in, in, in Colossians 1.20, it says this. Him we preach, warning every man and woman. Amen? And teaching every man and woman and all wisdom that we may look, present every man and woman perfect in Christ Jesus. You got that? But here's the key. To this end, look, Paul says, I also labor striving according to, look, his working, which works in me mightily. What Paul is actually saying is, we're going to continue to preach Christ. We're going to continue to strive to do those things that we can present every man and woman perfect in Christ, but we're not actually doing it. Christ is actually working through us. And so everything that I do has to be based on the faith that I have in Christ to do what he said he's going to do. And so it has to be established in that true faith, amen, so that we won't waver. And what is all that for? Well, you're rooted and planted in him, established in the faith that he gave you because you've been taught that. But the last part is this. Not only are you growing, not only are you grounded, but we ought to be grateful. Amen? We ought to be grateful. Abounding in it with thanksgiving. We ought to be so grateful to God that you can't wait for Sunday, that you praise him on Monday. Amen? You can't wait for Sunday. I'm telling you, you just praise him because you know who he is. Amen? You, you, you get to a point where God is so good. And you understand that. You know why? Because the life that you have actually already, I don't care how young you are, the life that you've already lived, you know that you serve a very gracious God. Amen? I, I, tell you, I love the Bible because I, I used to hear the people say, well, the, the, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. I was that one. Amen? I was the unjust. We came to Christ very late in life. That's why I'm on so far. I'm searching fire now, and I want to do everything I can because, like, I'm running out of time. And I can't thank him enough for the fact that he didn't come back before I knew him. Amen? I would have been lost completely. And I had no idea. And here's a little guilt trip I'm going to play on you guys. And you know why I had no idea? I was in Washington, D.C., and nobody never came to witness to me. Nobody. Me and my wife were having a great time. We were living life up, and she would lead me down all the wrong paths, and 
It was just a great life. <laughs> nobody, no, I'm being honest, nobody took the time to witness to us. But here's why we're so thankful, and I'll close on this testimony. In God's grace, he allowed, I don't say he called, but he allowed um, our daughter to be diagnosed with cancer. And um, we were at the Lombardi Center uh, in um, Georgetown. And we were there. I was completely frazzled, didn't know Christ, didn't know anybody, and didn't know what to do. And I tell you, it is, it's the strangest thing when the doctor comes in and he says that word. It rocks you to your knees. And I thought I was a strong man at the time. I was living off of this flesh that I had, but there was nothing I could do. It was out of my control. And the doctor said, we're going to do this. They flew us to California, Children's Hospital, did all these things. And we're back at the Lombardi Center. We were there for about seven months as they're going through all the uh, treatment and things like that, the surgeries and all of that. But we were in the hospital room. And about four senior saints who didn't know us from Adam came into that hospital room, didn't know us from Adam introduced themselves, and they asked me and my wife, can we pray for you? That was the door. That's why we're so thankful. That was the grace of God. He said, I'm throwing you out a life preserver. You need to heed this warning. You've done everything you could for your daughter. Did everything you could for your wife. Did everything you could for your family. He says, now it's time for me to show you who was always in control. And because of those sweet senior saints praying for us, they planted a seed and made this young boy pray at the altar, at the Lombardi Center. They have a chapel there. And we went there. Still didn't know who we were praying to, but we were praying to somebody, asking for help. And then we went to our brother-in-law who was actually in the Lord, and I went to him because I said, this prayer thing made me feel pretty good, like something's going to happen. I'm being honest. I just felt good because it was like I did something that I thought I was supposed to do, and it felt spiritual. Amen? And my brother-in-law, I said, look, can you pray for us? Because he was going to church that time. I said, could you pray for us? You know, you know, Kiana's still sick and all that. And he said, no, I won't pray for you. And y'all know what I felt like doing now. <laughs> I was still a cop. <laughs> he said, it's time for you to learn how to pray for yourself. And he took me to the ministry that they were part of. And his pastor led me and my wife to Christ. People say, people do that all the time. They don't. And that's unfortunate. But we ought to be so thankful that God saved us. And we know that we have the cure for cancer. Amen? I'm not talking about the disease itself. I'm talking about the fact that when you have Christ, and cancer is there, you still know you're going to be all right. Amen? I know people, people, people say, I don't want to say amen to that because somebody might, that might happen to know. You got to understand. See, that's where your faith is. That you have to believe in Christ so much that despite what would have happened to our daughter, we knew that we were going to be all right. Because we were in the ark. We were in safety. We were in salvation. We were in Christ. And Christ was in us. You have to be thankful. God did not save you for yourself. There are people in Georgetown Medical Center who are getting that diagnosed every day. And they want to know where we are. We need to be there. See, part of my message was supposed to be about, I know the title was about community. Our community doesn't stop here in Southeast. Your community 
is wherever God has you right now. On your job. Amen. In, 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 your, in your neighborhoods. In this ark. Wherever you go, please do not be ashamed of this gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation to the Jews first. But guess what? Also to the Greeks. I'm a Greek if y'all didn't know that. Amen. Also to the Greek. And how is this played out? I know y'all ready to go, but I got to give my... See, I can't leave without giving you an illustration. Here's the illustration. Acts 2. Acts 2. Illustration. I like to use biblical illustration when I can. So you're growing, you're grounded, and you're grateful. And when that's true, this happens. Verse 41. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized in that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. I see the ark growing that way because of what you're doing, because you guys are glad. I can see the excitement in the young people when they're up here singing the praise songs. Amen? They're receiving the word with gladness. They're being baptized. Amen? 3,000 souls were added. But here's it. They didn't stop. See, the thing about being rooted and grounded, there's a continuum there. And so they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That's the word of God, amen? And in fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayer. You guys explained that. As I sat there and listened to you, I saw Acts 2, the dinners, explaining the fellowship. You got it? The things you guys are doing, the breaking of the bread, all that. And then fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. You guys are having these signs done within your ministry where people are coming to Christ. Amen? The best miracle you ever see is somebody actually coming to Christ. That's a miracle. Because you can't be saved any other way but through Christ. That's a miracle. And now all who believed were together and had all things in common. I see that in your ministry. Now, I don't see 45, but don't worry about it. You can get over that one. And they sold all their possessions and goods and divided among themselves anyone who had needs. Amen? <laughs> I think you're giving sacrificially. I think God will take that. Amen? But let me close on 46 and 47. So continuing daily. Never become a Sunday morning only church. Continuing daily, that's every day, in one Honda. Amen? Y'all got that? You only got that one? One Honda. Accord. One Accord, amen? <laughs> you all on one Accord. You got this on? Hey. Some, okay, they got it now. Amen. Amen. That's a togetherness. Church, don't ever lose that. Don't lose that joy that you have together where you all are growing together. Don't ever get to a point where the family meetings are places you don't want to go to. Amen. I'm telling you that from experience. Keep being on one accord. And you will do that if you stay rooted and built up. Amen. And you're established in the faith, amen? And you always have thanksgiving in your heart. You will be on one accord, amen? That's already, Jesus prayed that in, in, in John um, 17. And it's already manifested. We just have to do it, amen? Amen. And let me, let me finish. I'm really going to finish. I'm really, it says that in the temple and the breaking of bread from house to house, I'm loving what you guys are doing. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Can I put this one point in here? It says they ate their food. Amen. In other words, so when you come over my house, that's your food. You got that? They ate their food. When you're in my house, that's your food. Amen. We got to have that type of relationship together. And then you start praising God and having favor with all the people. That's people outside these doors going to know what you guys are doing because of who you are. It says, it says that the people will see your good works, but they will glorify your father who is in heaven. Amen. And last but not least, it says, and the Lord, the one that we serve, 
the creator of the heaven and the earth, and the Lord added to the ark daily those who were being saved. The Lord, let the Lord do the adding. Amen. Sometimes we have a tendency to want to cut corners because we want growth so bad that we start allowing folk in without first making sure that they have received the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not saying profess, amen? A lot of people profess a whole lot of things. You want to make sure they receive, and you'll see that by the fruit, and you'll see that by the fact that they want to be on one accord, and they're not here to cause strife, but they want to help you with the struggle. Amen? And when we do that, and the Lord adds, you will always be this sweet congregation that I see, that I have seen grow over the past two years, that's going to have the impact in the D.C. area, my hometown, second to none. Amen? Never get confused about the numbers. The Lord will add. I liken it to this. The church is like a nursery. And um, God doesn't allow his children to go to any place. One of the things that we went to, we went to McLean Bible one of the things we, we looked for was that the church had to have a good nursery because we want to take care of our kids. Amen? Because we want to we enjoy the worship, and so we want to make sure that our kids were taken care of, and McLean had everything, and that's why we were really there because they had a nursery, um, they had a kids club, they had all these things, so we knew our kids were taken care of, and so we could enjoy the worship and the fellowship. And I say the church is like a nursery, and all that God brings in are his children. Amen? And just like a good parent, he's not going to allow his children to go to a nursery that's not going to take care of his children. Just like you wouldn't allow your child to go to a nursery that's not going to take care of your children. The Bible says, we being evil know how to give good gifts, how much more with our Father in heaven give better gifts. God is waiting for you guys to continue to do what you're doing, and guess what? You won't need those ropes no more. I'm letting you know that now. What you guys are doing here is not normal. I praise God for you. I've been so encouraged. I'm going to go back over to Oakland on next Sunday, and they're going to want to throw me out again. They're going to say, wait a minute, Pastor, we just got used to all those other things. Now, you want to change again? I said, yeah, you got to stay on your feet. Because I have been to the ark, and we got to get on board. Father, we thank you for this wonderful ministry that you have birthed through these leaders and through these people. God, this area.